Hi, everyone. I'm Liam Sanyo from Inside Scientific, your favorite online source for life science webinars, virtual events, interviews, and educational content helping you do your best work. This episode of Expert Answers features Dr. Anya Yesterboff, Associate Professor and Director of Weight Management and Obesity Prevention at the Yale Stress Center. Dr. Yastropov recently joined us for a webinar to discuss the current use of anti-obesity pharmacotherapy, the mechanisms involved, drugs in various stages of development, and a look into the future of pharmacology and obesity treatment. Dr. Yastropov is a physician board certified in obesity medicine, adult endocrinology and metabolism, and pediatric endocrinology. She is internationally recognized in the obesity medicine field for developing clinical practice guidelines for the comprehensive care of patients with obesity, educating the next generation of obesity medicine physicians by teaching annually at the world-renowned Harvard Blackburn Treating Obesity Course and the Columbia Cornell Obesity Course, and conducting cutting-edge clinical translational obesity research. Let's jump right in. So the first question today uh, comes from Sharman, who's asked, why do we still use BMI knowing all the issues involved, uh, especially when it was never meant to be a health measurement in the first place? Uh, yes, that's a great question. And, it, you know, obviously it, it's a whole talk in and of itself, as many things are. So I agree with you. BMI is not a great uh, measure to use. And it was intended for these large population studies. It is what the FDA is currently using, obviously using other measures, you know, such as whether it's waist circumference, which is difficult in terms of doing consistently the same way and above a BMI of 35. There's debate whether it's useful at that point. But there's other measures like percent body fat using bioimpedance measures that can inform us better. And you're absolutely right. Right. You know, where we store our, our fat and how we store. Regardless, right now, this is what we have in terms of. And so that is what we are, are using. But I 100% agree with you that it's not necessarily the best way to, to go about this. Perfect. Great answer. Next question here. Does modulation with melanocortin 1 receptor uh, also lead to obesity or weight gain? And does this MC1R also relate to MC4R in causing obesity conditions? I don't know the answer to that question, so I would have to look into it. I don't know if that's the case. I'm sure that there is research that's ongoing in specifically to answer that question. If you want, I can certainly look through the literature and send that along to Liam. Excellent. Thanks. Next question comes from Harry, who's asked, does appetite dis- decrease food intake? And if so, how does it do this? Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, this question comes up with GLP-1 analogs as well. And this is obviously GLP-1 GIP. The thought is that, yes, these agents do decrease food intake. So with GLP-1, there has been a study that it was published in 2017 that actually looked at decreasing food intake, also decreasing craving and hunger. And so the thought is that these medications do work that way. The question, and where I think more research needs to be done, is whether there is some effect on metabolism as well in terms of energy expenditure. But yes, you know, these medications do decrease food intake and specifically have been looked at with GLP-1 analogs, and the paper was specifically on semaglutide. Perfect. Next question here, is there a sex-dependent response to losing body weight on GLP-1 or other medications? 
Oh, that's such a great question. These studies are so incredibly needed. You know, I can tell you from experience in terms of in clinic, a majority of my patients who come to see me are women and uh, men who see me, you know, obviously also start on these medications and, you know, have a, a great response. But, you know, we really don't know about all of these interactions in terms of differences in sex hormones and how they affect response to these medications and how they affect how we lose weight, whether it's with these medications or other things. So that is sorely needed. And we definitely need to do those studies and compare how men and women respond to these medications. So thank you for that question. And I hope you're pursuing it. Excellent. Thanks, Anya. Here's a question here. What are some of the barriers to uh, for the use of some of these anti-obesity medications? Yeah, so there are many, and I lecture on this um, quite a bit. One is, you know, we don't have great coverage by insurance companies for these medications, so that's a huge barrier. So even if you prescribe this medication, it may not be covered, and, and they can be very expensive for patients and potentially not being able to take them at all because they're so expensive. A huge barrier is that none of us were taught about treating obesity when we were in medical school or residency. So I, w- I went to medical school almost 20 years ago now, and we didn't have any lectures on obesity or even nutrition. And now that's coming into medical education, but physicians really can't treat obesity if they haven't learned about it. And so now there's great efforts, you know, including and adding obesity in terms of education at the medical school level, the residency level, as well as fellowships. So there are now obesity medicine fellowships, which were not available when I was doing my endocrinology fellowship. And there's the American Board of Obesity Medicine that can help physicians get board certified. So I'm also board certified in obesity medicine in addition to endocrinology. So you really can gain the education, the knowledge that you need in order to treat patients. So education for physicians, definitely, you know, insurance coverage is a huge barrier. And then, you know, where all of you come in is, you know, developing medications that work even better. So medications that we have now work to a certain extent, but it would be wonderful to have medications that really targeted the pathophysiology of obesity and really, you know, helped people lose weight and then understanding why certain medications work for certain people. So I think it's a barrier that we don't know which medications will work for which patients. We don't have a blood test or a biomarker yet to tell us, you know, which patients will respond. And all of that is coming. And I hope that some of you are working on that and helping us to really create precision medicine for the treatment of obesity and knowing which medications will work for which individuals. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Expert Answers and that you'll tune into future episodes where researchers just like you answer questions about their work and share science. Don't forget to subscribe and we'll see you next time.